All right, welcome back. Here we are. Here we are. Yes. I don't even, wait, what episode is this? 28, I think. 28, so no yeah. math required. No math. I, I resisted last week because uh, it was... Uh, yeah, but you publicly resisted, which I don't I know if that counts. I think that. that that's sort of like uh, backhanded resistance. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to... I have a joke, but I'm going to not say it. Right. Oh, <laughs> and I know you know the joke that I mean. Oh. <laughs> right. It's like, yeah. it's like saying the dad joke, but not really saying the dad joke. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like not saying the dad joke around a bunch of dads and just yeah. sort of nodding knowingly at them. Like I could have done that, but I right. I held back. Yes. But you guys know. Yes. It's like it's like showing that you have some restraints without really having restraints because That's right. That's like the, exactly right. the better course of action would have been to not even acknowledge that there was that's right. something to say. So this is but 28. That's actually, but that's actually a very dad way of doing it, right? It's a very sort of, you know, I'm I'm going to show my restraint by actually showing that I don't have restraint. Right. Right. Yeah. And and I I embrace my dadness. Yes, I know you do. All right. And I so respect I, that about you. Good with that. It's all good, yeah. you know. All, hey, so uh this is Ollie and this is Scott. Oh yeah, we <laughs> right. should do that. Hey. Yeah, we're like 7 minutes into the show and yeah. we haven't even acknowledged who we are. And this is Science in Between and we're we're happy you're here this week. Oh, um boy, are we happy? We're so Yes, happy. episode 28 and I will say, you know, looking at our statistics, there are people who are actually listening to this stuff, Scott, which is pretty I cool. I, yeah. Well, I think what we can say uh, definitively is that people are downloading it. Yes. Well, that's right. We don't know if they're <laughs> what they're listening because I have a bunch of shows I download and I don't listen to, you know, yeah, so. including this show, probably. Right. Um, yeah, maybe. Well, I listen to all of them anyway. Cause like, yeah, but yeah. not through like, you don't, you listen to them in a different way than, right. than, the, than the normals, than the everyday fan yeah. of the show. Uh, the fan, fan of the show. Fan, fan of the show. show. Fan of the like show. Brian Brown, for instance. Brian Brown. Our close He's a friend. friend. Brian Brown. Friend of the show. Yeah. He's like, this is not on his radar at all. And you regular, know, it's gonna... regular listener. Yeah. Regular listener, Brian Brown. So uh, this week, we, we continue our journey through the co- cross-cutting concepts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The triple C. The triple C. <laughs> nice. It's like, you know, on the Food Network, the triple G, That's the triple right. D, you know. Yeah, the triple Ga- D. Yeah. Does, guys, wait, does this mean games? you're going to have to, like, get frosted tips and wear your sunglasses on the back I, of your neck? Those days I can't get I can't get frosted <laughs> tips. I, there is a There's time period. There's nothing to frost. In like 2000, when I did have the frosted tips, there are some pictures of around where I did oh, have that. Yeah, I would like to see that. I'll, I'll have but to think right them up. now. No, no, this no. is a an audio medium. Scott. <laughs> that's, right, that's right. Well, we could make it the show art. Yeah, for, for this episode. Yeah, so uh, we did cause and effect week one, right? And then we did scale, proportion, and and uh, quantity week uh, week two. That's and this correct. week, and we're going to jump into structure and function. And I actually as we were preparing for the show, I, I was the one who said, Hey, let's do this because I kind of think it's one, it's really interesting structure and function. And I think maybe it comes from my, my background as like a, uh, a junior engineer and almost engineer, right. As somebody who, you know, Wait, I, you I was a at, ju- junior engineer. What does that mean? Well, do you have like a little cap and you no, like, boop, boop. no, I was in engineering school for like two years before I oh. like vacated before I was like, I was gonna, you know, go off and become an engineer. So there's part of that, mm-hmm. that, you know, my dad was an engineer, my brother's an engineer. And so, you know, that was the path I thought I was going to go on at some point. Um, but, uh, so at some, you know, so I think about things a little bit from a structure and functions standpoint and, but it's not something we really talk about much in, in physics. I mean, not intentionally. And I think that's the point, right? Mm. 
is that um, we've kind of left the structure and function conversation to uh, the biologists and also, you know, people who work in anatomy and physiology and, you know, and, and, and I think that the idea behind these cross-cutting concepts is that we should all think about it. And as I was thinking about the, uh, the show, I was going, well, you know what, there's places to talk about cross-cutting concepts, certainly in like chemistry. I mean, you know, there's lots of places in chemistry where we can talk about molecular, molecular structure and how that makes things function the way they do. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, I think that like the way that structure and function typically comes up, right. Is as you say, in biology, right. Where there's this idea of it's linked to traits that certain organisms have and how those traits change over time and how those traits developed. And so there's this, uh, it's, it's a key idea in biology for linking environment and organism. Um, but, uh, but it also is, a, you know, something that is the reason it's a cross cutting concept is because it's relevant in lots of disciplines, but, you know, going back to the theme of the cross cutting concepts, um, the key to this is that you need to think about how to do it explicitly. So it, it's always been there implicitly, but the problem is if it's implicit, kids don't, recognize it and can't engage with it. So uh, that's, that's been the thing that we've talked about across, you know, uh, the first two episodes about these, where we say like, yeah, cause and effect is a thing in science, but we almost never talk about it using those words. Um, And same with, you know, scale, quantity and proportion, like, so getting consistent in talking about things that uh, connect across these sub-disciplines, that's really what cross-cutting concepts are about, is how do you, as a, as a teacher of science, and how do you get your kids to start using these concepts uh, as part of the way that they think about science so that they can, as they move across disciplinary boundaries within science, use those things again, the, the recurring characters, as Ali likes to say. Right. I was going to resist saying that. No, you weren't. Right. Well, there I was re- saying yeah. I was going to resist. That's what you see were what I did there. Do. Yeah, yes. I, I did see what you did there. Everybody yeah. saw it. That's the point. <laughs> Cycling back. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cycling back. Yeah. So I think that what uh, from the next generation science standards, the way they frame uh, structure and function, I think, is the critical part because it's it's much more. Uh, opening. It's much more comprehensive because they say it's the way in which structure and function, the way in which an object, and that's the critical part, an object or living thing is shaped and its substructure determine many of its properties and functions. So the, it brings open the design stuff too. Like, so the, the natural things that we would find in, in so living things, but also things that are designed, things that are right. built, things that are created. And so, you know, I think that opens up the engineering stuff for us to talk about. And yeah. we'll, we'll, you know, cycle back to that in a few minutes, but I think it, um, it certainly opens up opportunities for us to talk about it in physics. It talk opens up uh, time, places to talk about it in, in, in chemistry, even earth science, you know, like, you know, how, you know, th- things that are, uh, you know, designed in earth science, you know, like to control, like, you know, weather and to control, you know, um, maybe weather anomalies and things, you know, or, you know, or even things that, like how things like uh, tools that we use, how they work to be able to measure the quantities that we, I mean, there's lots of opportunities for us to talk about it. Yeah. Right. And I think, 
Um, you know, as you said, there are really nice ways to connect here to engineering, but there's also not, it's not necessary to do that too. You know right. I mean? You can think about like, how does this, if we're going back to earth science, like how does the structure of the earth, how is the fact that it's got, it, it, it is made up of plates. It has an interior that's heated. Like how does that, um, give us information about the function of the earth. Right. And, and you know, it's just not the way we normally talk about it, sure. but it doesn't mean that we can't talk about it that way. And the purpose again is to help them understand that, well, even though the earth isn't a biological system, it has functions that we can talk about and, and that are relatable. Right. And that let us draw those connections across disciplinary boundaries. So um, that, you know, that's really the key here. So yeah, engineering is, it, it is one of the places I think it's worth emphasizing what you said, Ali, um, that engineering can be brought in in a really clear way because in engineering you do, you're often building some kind of structure to have a particular function. So that's sort of a natural part of the engineering process. But we also want to say it, it doesn't have to be there either. It, it, it can be part of the core curriculum when you're talking about other things. It's just trying to reframe how we already talk about things a little bit to bring in some of that more, um, you know, cross-cutting language. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You talk about it, like reframing. Um, and there's, there's a, a site I just came across that was called science frames and it's like framing discussions. Right. And, and outside of science, I think these are, you know, I've used them in my online teaching and I've called them protocols, right? Like discussion protocols or comment protocols. And it's actually a, a pretty common thing um, beyond science, but um, the way this, you know, I, I will link to this site, um, uh, which specifically talks about how to frame discussions or frame conversations mm. to talk about structure and function. And so some of the uh, ways they say is this part works because, and you think, you, you go from there and this part needs to be able to blank. So it's shape should blank or this plant can survive a drought because blank, 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 you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's like giving the students the, the stem of a, uh, of a paragraph or the stem of a, a response and leading them. And this goes cycles so bad as so much back to Brian Brown, right. Is getting the students to make, you know, explanations and, and, but it's again, just framing it from the standpoint of structure and function that I think is the critical part. And then, you know, telling them to, you know, explicitly use certain language can help to scaffold them to use that stuff um, more purposefully. Yeah, right. I think, well, that's interesting as you were saying that, and maybe this is what this whole website is about. So it's sort of silly to, to say it, but um, the idea that maybe this is something that you develop specific protocols for uh, and you employ them strategically in your class. So it's like, okay, I want to, I want to have cross, I want to talk, have a cause and effect conversation in my class because it's relevant to this particular lesson that I'm doing. So I'm going to actually have one of these protocols or one of these sentence starters or one of these, you know, sort of, um, you know, structured ways of helping kids talk about cause and effect. So, or about, you know, structure and function. So that's um, maybe that, again, maybe that's what they're suggesting is that you have these, but like you say there, these exist for helping kids just talk about their ideas in a more general sense. Like there's ABAB protocols where it's like, right. I'm going to tell you my idea and then you're going to tell me my idea back to me. And I'm going to tell you whether you said it 
the way I meant it or not. And then you're going to do the same to me so that this is like, you get this, you know, helpful way of structuring kids talk so that they're actually listening to each other. But this is a different way to, to structure kids talk, to help them develop particular um, habits of mind and language patterns that are useful across disciplinary boundaries. Yeah, I, I I think more generally they're called protocols. Like I have a colleague who is uh, he's he's one of these disruptive guys who likes to go in that when he does a conference presentation, he he likes to do things that are a little out of ordinary. So he'll just come in, and just go, okay, we're going to do a, a protocol, a different co- conference protocol, and this is what we're going to do. And he structures it so that people have to you know discuss things in certain ways. So he he just doesn't like to be the you know the standard deliver guy. Um, and to see it happen is a little disruptive, you know, cause it's like, mm, I don't know this. I'm not comfortable with this, but once he gives like the rules of the game and sort of outlines what the expectations are, people jump on board and they leave and it's a positive experience. And I think the same thing can happen here is that we give them the, these sort of frames or these protocols for them to discuss specifically, explicitly structure and function. And I think it, they see, it's like, okay, well, you've kind of started it out for me so I can go from here right and it's like right. you've told me what i need to and i've used these in just like in discussion you know responses or like okay here's the way i want you to you know re- respond and this is mostly with teachers or or beginning teachers is like giving them a protocol for response in the discussion forum or giving them a protocol for you know with the type of post they're going to do or the type of presentation they're going to do so it's just like leading them you know giving them a little bit of a lead but again it's the explicit part it's like okay we're going to talk about structure and function and it's not something that's typical for them to talk about um certainly outside of biology, right? It's really the only time I've seen though that terminology, right? Right. And I think, um, and that, that brings up this uh, interesting piece about um, that, that's, you know, jumping up a level here, thinking about one of the things that's challenging about the way that we think about science teaching is that we're asking kids to talk a lot more and talk a lot more about their own ideas. And so one of the things you have to do as a teacher in that context is help them learn how to do that. And that may sound weird, um, but this, this, uh, what you're describing here, like, again, this is something that we do in classrooms all the time, you know, claims, evidence, reasoning structures that that is designed to help structure kids talk. So they can start to think about like, okay. And, and, and like reframing that as evidence reasoning claim, which, you know, is, is something that, that teachers are starting to do now, right. Or that came out of the field, right. Which is you make your observations first, and then you explain why your, your observations lead to this claim you're making using reasoning. So that's like the ERC notion of it, but either way, developing these protocols, these structures help kids learn how to talk like that. But so I, what I want to say about that is that's a double-edged sword. So when you first do it, I agree with you, Ali, that it, it, that sort of structure actually allows for creativity, which I think is what you're saying, right? By bounding the space, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's your colleague doing this or whether it's you doing it in class, by bounding the space and saying, look, we're going to talk about structure and function. Well, that narrows it down and it lets kids be creative within the constraint. But then what you have to do is, you know, like in educational terms, the idea of scaffolding, you need to withdraw those things over time so that they have those tools and they can use them and they start to learn to use them when they're appropriate because you know part of being a teacher is you initially structure them and say well this is an appropriate time to think about um you know size and scale or or cause and effect or structure and function 
But over time, what you want them to do is recognize an instance where those things are relevant and be able to, to use those. So there is this tension between giving them structure and then withdrawing the structure over time, right. that idea of scaffolding. Yeah. I, I think what's interesting for me is that we're, we're trying to teach the kids to, to learn to talk about science and you know, scaffold them there. But we, I think the other critical part, and you're going to like this because I think this goes into some of the, the work I know you do, is we also have to help them you know, learn to see, right, is, and, and they, I think a lot of us walk through life, you know, without seeing the science, seeing the things, the seeing the phenomenon, right, mm -hmm. and, yeah. and so I know this is, you know, work that you do around professional vision with developing teachers, right. um, but there's lots of times where, you know, the structure and function of everyday objects are not, you know, appreciated or understood or, you know, uh, Who's the Who's the author of the uh, Design of Everyday Things? That's, yeah, Don yeah. Norman. Yeah, Don that's Norman. A great right. Book. It is a great book. And but I think what it does is it you only recognize design when it's bad, right? It's like right. Uh, that's one of his fundamental principles, right? Yeah. Is like you know you you don't like good design is like invisible. Bad design is completely visible and like awkward. And he talks about it from stoves and coffee cups and you know uh, you know that book is awesome and. Nice. And, uh, but I think that's the, the other part about it is that we have to help them learn to see and appreciate and, and understand. And, you know, I think this leads into some of the research I wanted to talk about today. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think, I think it does. And I, and I want to let you talk about it. I just want to say one more thing about that. Like, yeah, Don Norman's book is great. And this idea of, um, like what we take for granted, like just to take that design piece, uh, a little step further, like when wherever you're sitting right now, you can turn and look and see lots of things that somebody designed. Some right. human said, this is the way this should be. Uh, maybe it was a group of humans, but but that thing was designed by somebody to do something in particular. And, and the things that do that well, as Ali's saying, like disappear into the environment. They're essentially invisible. You don't think about them. You don't, you don't, perseverate over is that thing designed well or not you just use it um but when it's not boy yeah. how do you do you notice because it because you get frustrated and angry and disappointed because this thing is not doing what it's supposed to do but now i think you should talk about what you're going to talk about which right. is like which is related to this like invisibility of designed objects in the environment yeah so you know one of the i think the best part of last week's episode was uh when we talked about the the scale research right where we talked about you know this research that was done in terms of you know having students organize things from small to big and and what that did was that really un uncovered some of the the challenges that students face because they don't understand really big things and really small things and i think that situated the problem of why we needed to talk about scale and proportionality and, and quantity so much um so this week i think that the research we're going to share in the show notes um and it's from uh God, let's see uh, the researcher's name is Rebecca Lawson, and she's from the University of Liverpool. And this article is from maybe 2006. Okay, I just got a shout out to Liverpool because I'm a Liverpool football club. Oh, that's fan, right. So I'm just that... going to say Liverpool. Okay, that's it. Carry on. Yeah, so it's uh, it's the article is called The Science of Psychology, right? Not psychology, psychology. Uh, no, I might yeah. put an extra L in there, aren't yeah. I? I am. Um, yeah. Psychology. It's yeah. It's, I mean, the problem is, is it's psychology. It's just it's it's a homophone, right? It right. sounds like psychology, but it's not. It's not a P S H Y. It's the study of bicycles, 
And that's the that's the trick. Yeah. 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 So the first time I I I I I think I struggle with this word. Psychology. There you go. So uh what they what she did was uh Rebecca Lawson asked people to draw bicycles. And you think that's like a pretty, you know, simple thing, right? Draw a bicycle. But she asked them um, so, and she did this with different populations, people that were considering themselves experts, people that consider themselves non-experts and, you know, experts about bicycles and non-experts. I think everybody has some level of expertise, right? With a, a bicycle, whether they've seen Least one or experience, ridden. maybe right. not expertise, but right. certainly okay. experience. Right. And whether they've seen one or ridden one, you and I are both, you know, bicyclists to, to a certain degree, right? Psychologists. I mean, psychologists. I see what Psycholo- you did. Psychologists. Yeah. And so what she asks them to do is to draw the frame, draw the pedals and to draw the chain. And she gives them, you know, a specific, you know, starter, like just that, like a frame, a protocol. Right. And then yep, she asks yep. them to build in the frame, what the frame would look like uh, with the pedals. And she starts them by, you know, this is what the pedals should look like. And this is what the chain should be. And the drawings are awesome. Yeah. And they're like, it's like, well, why would someone draw a bicycle like that? Like, like the pedals on the front wheel, like the yeah. chain, uh, the chain going uh, on both wheels. Yeah. Uh, Connecting the chain, them. Yeah, yeah, the chain going on just the front wheel, but not the back wheel. The one had the pedal on the, you know, the, 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 the bar that goes through the front. The crossbar, yeah. The crossbar, right. No. Like, how's, how's that getting up there? It's just, it's just awesome. It is yeah. awesome. And it's, in a lot of ways, it, it, plays really nicely with the you know the scale stuff from last week is that it shows how invisible this design can be i mean and all of these parts have functions right they all have functions the pedals the chain you know the 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 frame all of that has a specific function and that comes from how they're structured right and and so but it's so invisible right that we just like take it for granted but i think you know, and I think that's one of the big points that she makes in this article is that, you know, we have this, uh, you know, some experience with designed objects, but without like explicitly talking about it, without access, explicitly discussing it, that that stuff, you know, remains vis- invisible, you know, and that's, yeah, that just ties in so nicely with our conversation. Yeah, well, and I think the other thing that it does that that's powerful and the reason that it's worth, you know, looking at this to some degree is, um is that it? It's a non-biology example of structure function, right? So, so it gets at this idea of, like, if you were going to do it in engineering or in physics, um, how how do you talk about structure and function? Well, bicycles are a really good way, right? Like, you know, if you're doing a, doing a, a unit on energy transfer or simple machines or whatever, right? Uh, bicycles right. are part of that that context and beginning with saying, okay, let's have you start by drawing a bicycle and here are the parts and what does it look like? Um, and then starting to help them deconstruct that in terms of structure and function um, could be a really interesting way to get into something like simple machines. Like why, why is the chain where it is? Why are the pedals where they are? Why is the, you know, why is the front ring, well, not always, but what I was going to say bigger than the back ring. Yeah. I mean, it mostly is, but, but, uh, you know, why are there different size rings on the front and back? What does that do? Like all the, all these, um, you know, breaking down a bicycle in terms of, of its pieces or any other, you know, I mean, the nice thing about a bicycle <clears throat> 
is it's all, all the parts are observable. Like if you right. tried to do that with an automobile, you're, you're in deep trouble um, because everything's under the hood, so to speak. But, um, but bicycles are, are nice and transparent. So they're uh, so they let you sort of analyze them in this structure function sort of way. And I, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about like when we as physics teachers talk about simple machines, right? And we talk about like, oh, here's a pulley, here's a wedge, here's, but we never talk about structure and function when we talk about this, right? No. We, we, mechanical we talk about advantage. Exactly. We talk about mechanical advantage. We talk about maybe force, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe energy, um, but we maybe never work, t- maybe work. Right. But we never talk about it. It's like the, the classic thing you go from is, okay, here's how we calculate mechanical advantage, but it's like, well, you know, those, the, the structure of those objects have very specific functions. Like you would not, they're not, uh, they're not readily replaceable. Like you can't replace a pulley and say, oh, we'll just slap a inclined plane in there. Right. Yeah. You, it, the, the use begets you know, the use of like, uh, yes, uh, I know it, uh, you know, it's, you select a pulley because of its use. And so the, yeah. the structure of it, you know, leads to the kind of function you want to do. And then, you know, a, a screw and we could name off all the, yeah, we could just it. list all the, we yeah. could, but, but I, you get the point, right? We never talk about it from structure and function. We just lead right to energy. We lead right to mechanical advantage. And that's an opportunity for us, you know? Right. Yeah. And especially, I think, you know, maybe we're just harping on simple machines here, but I think the interesting thing about simple machines is it's something that gets done in elementary school uh, in most, most places. Right. Um, And, and you can't in some sense talk about it as much in terms of force and work. And so, so you end up with this sort of memorization of mechanical advantage uh, terms around it. So if you have a, if you have a lever where you put the fulcrum matters. And so, so you get students to sort of say, Oh, is it harder if I put the fulcrum here or put it here? But if you start thinking about it in terms of structure and function, that gives you a whole different way to go into that conversation with kids about like, well, what is the function of the fulcrum? Like what does it do in a lever, right? As a simple machine and start to think about it that way. Um, it can it can make some nice interesting connections even within simple machines like the classic one about like a wedge and a ramp and a screw are all related to each other because they have that that angled surface to them sure. that allows mechanical advantage well if you're talking about it in a structure function way you can connect those things you can say oh these have similar structures does that mean they have similar functions or do they have different functions or, you know, and so you can, you can work into these uh, simple machines or other areas uh, through that lens or cross-cutting concept um, of structure and function. Yeah. I I think that as I'm thinking about framing that lesson from that perspective, that would actually have greater utility for students than calculating mechanical advantage. Like, Outside of a uh, a physics class, like when does a student calculate, you know, the everyday person calculate mechanical advantage? You know, I just was doing it yesterday, right? Yeah. No, that no. just doesn't happen. Well, right? I, do it, I do it every time I walk up the stairs. I do the calculations as I'm walking up the stairs. Wow, look at you. Yeah, I know. What can yeah. I say? Yeah, you're that guy. I'm but, that guy. Okay, so the, the rest of us do not. <laughs> the normals. <laughs> the rest of us do not. But I would say having a conversation around structure and function 
is much more useful for students because they'll be in situations where they'll go, I need to do this thing. And then, you know, from a, you know, mechanical advantage structure function perspective, they could say, well, what's the best way of doing this? I need to do something like this. And that's a better way of framing it and more useful to their and applicable to their everyday lives than, you know, Hey, you know, put this number at this point of the equation, put this number in this part of the equation and voila, we have right. something. And, and even if they're not like, and I know you're not suggesting this, but even if they're not really thinking about it in a structure function, sort of explicit language way, and when they're having this problem, whatever this hypothetical problem, right. But what they are thinking about is I'm trying to accomplish something. So I'm trying to do, do a function, right. And so I need to find a structure that will accomplish that function for me. Right. right. So, so just having that, <clears throat> that, that sort of cognitive gadget, that little, you know, cross-cutting concept way of structuring their thinking um, can be super useful, even if they don't have, if they're not using those specific terms in the same way that, you know, again, like I keep going back to cause and effect, but there seem especially here to be a lot of links between cause and effect and structure function. Like if you think about the mousetrap, we were talking about the mousetrap game, like you could analyze that in terms of both cause and effect or structure function, right? So, um, so the this idea of of what you're really trying to do with cross-cutting concepts is develop these sort of you know cognitive gadgets, these little thinking tools that students can use across um, different disciplinary areas, but also not have to necessarily consciously think about them. The reason you know going back to this scaffolding point, the reason we initially spend a lot of time explicitly using that language is so that kids learn the tool and how it works. But the reason you remove the scaffolding is so that they learn how to use that tool independent of the scaffolding. And in some cases, that may mean going back to Brian Brown's work to tie all this (laughs) together, right? Using the concept without necessarily using the term, right? Right. So they may know how to use the, the gadget of cause and effect or structure function, even if they're not saying in their head or out loud, like, oh, this is the cause and this is the effect. But they have that tool that allows them to think more deeply about science ideas. I think cognitive gadget is my favorite way of describing it. Of all the ones we've thrown out, you know, cognitive gadget. Because I, as, I, as I've been digging deep into these cross-cutting concepts, I, I see them as being discrete, but also really interrelated, right? They're not, I mean, they're discrete ways, they're discrete gadgets, but they're very interconnected. Like you're talking about with cause, uh, uh, cause and effect, it's, you know, that spills over, you know, into structure and function, but, it, you know, it also spills over into scale and there's all these things are really interrelated. And so as we explore these more over the next few episodes, um, I think we'll see more of that. Uh, but yeah, this, this I, structure and function, there's really some great opportunities across the, across the content areas to talk about this. Yeah. And we'll we'll put that um, we'll put the bicycle research uh, piece into the psychology psychology. Right. Really do, is it psychology? Yeah, I mean it is psychology. That's uh, why no I think I wanted to throw in the other Well, you want to make sure because when you said it to me, when you said, "Oh, it's a science of psychology," and I was like, "Oh, yeah," you said, "No, no, it's not that kind. It's a different yeah, kind." I know it is. Um, it's yeah. fun. It's fun to say. It's, it's fun. Oh, <laughs> I that, thought you were saying. Uh, it's not that psychology. <laughs> <laughs> it's more fun. It's like, wow, okay. 
throwing uh, a whole discipline under the bus there. Like, no, yeah, psychology, not fun. No. Well, That's, no. There, there says, might be a psychologist. Ali for... Dreon. No, I didn't say that. Don't put words in my my mouth there. I don't have to. We can play back the recording. <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's uh structure and function i think we you know we've, we've done a, a good job of ex- yeah. exploring the opportunities and and possibilities with this yeah. cognitive gadget we just dis- we discussed the function of structure and function as a oh, yeah, see, look at that. nice work as, as a structure look Did at I, you yeah, look at yeah. That. that's Spinning that's something i would do yes that's, it is. Uh, that is that is actually something you would do Though I'm a dad too, so maybe, maybe Maybe, it's just maybe I'm 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 rubbing off on you a little bit. Let's hope not. Uh, Oh, I got some of that Ollie on me, and now look, I can't can't wash it off. Ah, no, you need a special cleaner for that. (laughs) Special cleaner. All right. Uh, So so speaking of that, let's talk about things that bring us joy. Yeah. Is it? Should I go first? I think think you're first this week. All right. So we should figure this out on an even odd thing because we're doing all the math anyway. So we should. All right. Um, I think I think that I'm odd because that's just suits. And then then you're even. But we'll see. I don't know. We'll We'll see how that goes. That works. What do you got? What do you got? uh, One of my favorite shows and they only had one season so uh it's on a second season has just returned to netflix just maybe a few weeks ago and i sort of like you know stumbled over i was like oh my gosh it's back uh you know i'm into cooking shows right i'm into Um, cooking shows um i like the cook uh the competition so the competition can be applied to lots of things and my show is blown away. Do you know oh, this? Oh, yes. Blown yeah. away. So blown away is not a cooking show. It is a, I have this, I don't know, this uh, innate love for blown glass. I just love it. Um, for my 50th uh, birthday that summer, uh, after my I turned 50, my, my wife bought me a trip, actually a, a, a a, a session with the Corning glass people. So we spent oh. a weekend in Corning where we got to blow some glass. And it was like really one of my yeah. favorite trips of all time. I'm just, we got to spend like really two solid days at the Corning glass museum, um, watching them, you know, wa- watching them blow glass. And it's just so cool and blown away is this it's uh, they start with, I think like 10 or 12 different glass artists from different places in the world and they are given weekly challenges and then, you know, or episode challenges, I guess it's not a week to week thing. Um, and then they have to make glass and you watch them over a five, six hour period, you know, using, you know, the, uh, the glory hole, where is this, where, the, you know, the, the place I know, yeah. as it's called though, is that I know, good? I know. Yeah, just, that's, that's the oven in which I know, yeah. but that's where they, they make the, the glass, they, uh, you know, heat the glass and it's like 1500 degrees. It's like, so hot and it's like and then you know the process they go through and you know i think that what's cool about it since even though it's really hot um what's cool about it is uh yeah i know Uh, did you hear the little giggle right after yeah i did get it yeah i'm sure our our fans heard it too right well it's the uh seeing them you know the this creative process but then seeing them encounter moments of failure that is like sudden and then seeing them in, in real time go, okay, I need to readjust. I need to like, you know, bounce back. And so, uh, because they're so experienced at this, that that happens all the time. Like they're, you know, the, um, 
there's something called the punty, which is the, you know, the bar that they use that they blow into. And at the end of making something, they have to pop it off the punty. And so this is the thing where like, every time you get this little, like, you know, something in your throat that it's going to like, it's going to fail. Cause this yeah. is where you've seen it fail. So other right. many times. And then when it, you know, it falls off the punty and breaks across the floor and something they've just spent two or three hours finessing. Um, but then they instantly turn on a dime. Okay. We've got to adjust and we, and they go back at it. And it's just that they've had so much experience with, with failure in that situation, that moments of, of crisis that they know how to redirect. And it's so inspiring and it's so cool to watch. Um, yeah. So blown away. Very nice. I yeah. like it. Um, Have you seen I- it? Um, yes. And we, well, so my, my daughter has a friend whose family actually has a, a glass blowing company and they, they wow. make, they make, uh, like we have four of their like hand blown glasses that we, you know, are like our favorite glasses that we love. And, um, and he, and they, I think they tried out, Shh, don't say anything. Cause I didn't, they didn't make, they didn't make it oh. onto the show, but I think they tried out to be on the show. Oh. Um, but uh, yes, it is. I I, I fully endorse uh, blown. Nice, away. I yes. like that. Yeah. So I, you know, it it is amazing how much uh, overlap we have in our uh, general areas of interest. So, I mean, I guess it shouldn't be that surprising. But no. um, um, but I am not going to recommend uh, blown away because you did. Uh, but I have another thing um, that I'm going to recommend that is bringing me joy. So it is a book this time. This uh, book was recommended to me uh, by my wife, who read it as a a, a book club book with uh, with her friends, and um, it is called "Girl, Woman, Other," and it's by Bernadine Ivaristo. I'm probably mispronouncing that, but she's uh, Nigerian, um, British Nigerian, Nigerian British um, author, and it you know this is not a this is not like a, um, a secret book. This won the Booker prize. Uh, so this is, and she's the first black woman, uh, ever to win the Booker prize. Um, and, but it, it's a fantastic book and it's, it's a, it's really a series of sort of interconnected vignettes about, um, black women, um, mostly living in England or connected to women in England and it's multi-generational. So there's usually a mother, a daughter, um, and then another connected person to that initial pair, right. Which is where the girl woman sure. other comes from. Um, <clears throat> but it's, yeah, it's just, it's a great book. It's written in a very, um, like structurally very poetic way. Like there, the punctuation looks, um, very much like you're reading poetry and you get used to it very quickly, but it, you know, at first you're like, Oh, this is not what I'm used to. Um, but, but the stories are just really compelling and, um, and it's, it's just a, it's a great book. I mean, it's got, um, of course, sadness and, 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 you know, hard things that happen in it, but it's also got a lot of joy and, uh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good read. So I strongly recommend it. And, uh, and it has brought me a lot of joy. So, so that's Girl, mine. woman, other, I'll have Girl, to, I wrote other. that, I wrote that down. That'd be something well, my wife can, would be you interested can just, in. You can check in the, in the show notes. You don't even yeah. have to write it down because it's in, in the show notes for this. Ah, see, that's right, what you right do. Below, blown see, I didn't away. even know you did these show note things. Wow. And, see, yeah. like, and, and I also do a page on our website for those of you who are interested that just collects the things that bring us joy. So if you uh-huh. just, if you don't even want to listen to the episodes, if this is the last episode you listen to, which I hope it isn't, but if it is the last episode, you can still come back every 
every week and find out what brings us joy and look that up and say, I want to bring some joy into my life. So I'm going to, I'm going to, we know. should look at that. I should look back at that. Cause that gives a really good, you know, journey for us. It goes, it yeah. captures the journey we've been on. Well, and it also lets you check to see if it, you're repeating your joy. Like you, oh, you want, you I know, I, want new I, joy. I know I don't repeat the joy. Wow. All <laughs> no, right. I don't I love your confidence. <laughs> uh, yeah. I am not so confident, but, uh, but yes, there is a, there is a link on our website just to the joys that we have. So, yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well, structure and function, Joyce, girl, woman, other blown away. This has been a great episode, Scott. Just like always. Just yeah. like always. And we'll catch you next time. In between. In between. <laughs>